0: Hey Life Canton, Roger here, the Director of Students and Young Adults. So glad you're with us. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a brand new listener, welcome. Be sure to subscribe or follow us to hear more of our content. Occasionally we do extra things. Right now we're going through a a series of sitting down with our pastors and staff and interviewing them. So you guys can get to know them a little better. So be sure to follow us so you can catch stuff like that. Today is exciting because today you will hear pastor nathan unveil the 10-year vision that our church leaders and staff have been praying through and listening to for the past couple years and now it's time for you to hear it and for you to get excited about where god is taking this church in the next 10 years so you're going to hear that it's going to be awesome And uh, part of what God is doing and and all the activity he is going to be up to in this community, in this church, requires participation. And and there's a lot of ways you can participate, but one way you can participate is through giving. So be sure to head over to our Now page to check out how you can give and how you can do that. But I I can't wait for you to hear this message. It's exciting. God is up to some stuff, has been up to some things, and now you're going to see where he's going to take this church, and and we are just thrilled and cannot wait. So give that message a listen, and, and I'll catch up with you in a minute. Enjoy.
1: I'm excited. I welcome everybody. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome. You can have a seat. I am so grateful that you are here, and if you just figured out the lyrics to that song, because it doesn't really repeat itself much. Don't worry, you'll get a chance to sing it again. I encourage you to take some liberty with it, dance, get excited. Oh man, that was a lot of fun. Um, It's going to be stuck in your head for eternity, which is fantastic. I love that song. Um, Man, I've been waiting for this day for a very long time. There'll be people here who have been waiting for this day. Um, And why? Because it represents so much. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you Life Canton's 10-Year Vision, uh, something that we've been really praying hard about and thinking about and honestly been preparing for. And whether you know it or not, you, if you've been coming here for a while, you've been being prepared for this. You're going to start to see what God is doing and how He is moving us forward. And if you're brand new, this is going to be an amazing opportunity for you just to hear our heart very clearly about what we want for you and what we want to see God do through you. The leadership team, these are our elected leaders, and they um, started off with the vision. They started off with taking months and months and months of praying. In fact, over 18 months it took us, and we asked this question, God, what are you doing? Now, that was during the pandemic, so it wasn't like, God, what are you doing? Like the, which I still haven't answered that question yet, like, God, what's you doing with all this? But no, it was, it was, it was about what was next. Now, I've used this analogy before, but I believe, um, as it says in Zephaniah, that God is singing over us. But I love this vision of God singing over our church, but more importantly, our community, over Detroit and Michigan and, and, and the United States and the world. He's singing a song, and it's a song of salvation. It's like he is singing this song, and all of us have a part in this harmony. So the question we've been asking is, what's the next part? God, you have given us Uh, such a beautiful gift in your son Jesus, and you want us to be part of it. So what is next? So we spent months going through an intentional process of narrowing it down to focus our energy on kind of two things that we wanted to see God do, and then we discussed a lot, and then we prayed a lot, and then we entered into aggressive discussions, uh, and then went back to prayer. Uh, and, And really, after that, we came up with something that we thought was just divinely led, like God led us in that. So we took it to our staff and got their feedback. We took it to our nominating committee and got their feedback, and it started to morph and change and become this beautiful thing. And then in the fall, we presented it to the partners. And we've taken all of that feedback and and spent time praying about it, what I'm going to reveal to you today. But not only that, we haven't been idle and just waiting. We've reconstructed our organization from our systems and goals We've written every single role and responsibility for every staff member. Why? To position us to pursue this vision. We have gotten rid of everything except going after this vision. We're laser focused on it, so I can't wait to share it to you. But I want you to know that this isn't a vision for me, from me as a lead pastor. It's not even a vision for the staff, of what the staff is going to do. In fact, I have not seen visions that look quite like this because this vision is all about you. This is your vision. This is what God has for you and for us together. This is how you're going to invest and how you're going to make the name of Jesus Christ the greatest name in our community, that it will resound with force. So I want you to open your heart to what God has for us. But why do we need a vision it's important. I want to pause here for just a moment to say why we need a vision. We need a vision because it helps us. If we don't have clear direction, then people falter. They fail, and we've refined, uh, we need a refined direction, and we've needed it for years. We always start with the Word of God whenever we look to make a decision, and Ephesians 4 is the backbone of this vision. Ephesians is actually a a letter written by Paul, and it serves as a constitution for the church. It was written to a network of churches. It was written for the specific reason of saying, this is how you are, the body of Christ. So today we're going to be dwelling in Ephesians, but I want you to know that you've been prepared for this. Last summer, we went through verse by verse the entire book of Ephesians because we knew what we were going after so that you would be ready and prepared, but you can always go back. And learn more about it. I won't be able to cover nearly enough today. But Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 says this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then he's in prison. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. This is this is important right here. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit. It says, literally, be zealous, be crazy about keeping the unity of the spirit, preserve the unity of the spirit. And how do we do that? Vision. Vision is a shared purpose in a simple language, and it requires sacrificial relationships, but it allows us to do something, allows us to partner with what God is doing. So I'm gonna break this down very quickly for you as best I can. Vision first is a shared common purpose shared common purpose. Our ultimate purpose, you know this, is to give God glory. Your job, even if you don't believe in Jesus, actually you were designed to give God glory. What does that mean? It means to live a life that shows how good he is. New life, a life that has been transformed. It drives us because stories of new life point to the glory of God. That's why our number one code statement is driven by new life. Because when we celebrate what is, was dead is now alive, what was broken is now transformed, there's only one answer to that, and that's God. And when we do that, God gets the glory and honor that he deserves, and it gives us joy to do that and strength. If you want to know more about that, go to last week as we celebrated everything that God did last year. But a common purpose, it does a couple things, and I love what it does, it fights a couple things in our the culture that really have broken us down. Common purpose stifles individualism. It pushes it down. Now, Paul, when he wrote this, he wasn't writing to individuals. In fact, he was writing that someone would read it out loud to the people in the congregation. Now, congregation looked a lot different back then than it does now. But the congregations, they were networks of churches. And in those rooms, they would have indentured slaves sitting next to the religious elite And the wealthy, the Jew and the Gentile, they all were there together. And they didn't have this same individualistic approach. They didn't read this thinking, oh, this is how it's gonna apply to me, the Jew, the the male Jew in this culture. No, no, no. They looked at it and said, this is what Paul is writing to us about what Jesus wants for us together. This is what we will do together. That's very different than today. See, we elevate this idea of, of rugged individualism. We love to be individual, right? We love to be independent, right? That is such a value for us uh, as Americans, but it really isn't found in this book at all. It is something that has become part of our culture and may have infiltrated into our way that we approach the Word of God. This individualism, it continues to reinforce division, and it abdicates a personal responsibility for the community and for the well-being of others. It's further divided us as we are experiencing polarization, racism, hate, and greed. And all of these things have spread darkness into the world, which is the absence of life. Meaning, where God is not, where, where, where God's everywhere, but, but where we choose to be separated from, when there's darkness and absence, it creates destruction, hatred, and injustice. So having the same purpose allows us to put down disunity and individualism and pick up us together, to lay down me and pick up we. This, it's difficult, but it's beautiful and it's powerful. Common purpose also neuters consumerism. I use that word on purpose neuters consumerism. Like, I, I, it's in a, a purpose. Like, consumerism begets more consumerism, begets bo- more consumerism. The, the more you consume, the more you need to consume. They're like rabbits, if you know what I mean. Like, it just keeps going and going and going. But when you have this common purpose, it actually stops that. It stops that cycle of reproducing this need for more and more and more and more and more. Today's culture is dominated by self-centeredness and consumerism because we are thirsty for something. Don't hear me wrong. You are thirsty for something, and you're going after things you shouldn't, but, but what is happening there is you have a thirst for the living water of Jesus Christ, and since you don't go to it or haven't gone to it or didn't even know it's there, you go to empty wells, and you keep drinking, and you get more and more and more thirsty, but common purpose focuses us on what we can do together, which means you have to lay down what you want and what you want to buy and what you want to take and comforts you want to have for something greater. You're going to hear from a lot of people uh, later, but I want to highlight Julie, and you'll understand where this comes from later. Julie Odina says this, this problem of self-centeredness and consumerism has developed over time. We have become a world driven by narcissism and instant gratification, not wanting to take time to put others ahead of ourselves, worrying too much about the difficulty of what is required of us, and allowing the perception of how others see us hold a place of more importance than how God sees us. Yes, you know, so if there's something beautiful about this, when we lay down this common purpose of giving God, or get, pick up this common purpose of giving God glory. Something changes inside of us. We lay down our rights and fairness and comfort when we pursue the kingdom of God. In fact, when we pursue the kingdom of God, we leave behind our personal fiefdoms of comfort and convenience because they're nothing and they don't provide any protection. That's what common purpose is. I'm to say quickly what common purpose is not, because I'm about to launch a vision, right? And so we're going to have this vision, and it's going to be exciting. Everyone's going to get excited about this. Well, common purpose is not tribalism. And what I mean by that is, like, you have this tribe of people uh, that is defined by what you have to do externally or even what you have to believe to belong. Like, it's in and out, us and them, Tribalism is a thing that's ingrained inside of us as a way of, like, making sure we're safe. So as long as people look like me, act like me, believe like me, I'm going to feel safe because there's less likely there's a chance that I'm going to get hurt. That is tribalism. What I'm giving you today, what the leadership team has come up for, is not that. It is not an us-them. It is not an in-out. It is about something that drives us to the unity of the Spirit. Let me double down on it for just a second. The world has created bounded sets. What does that mean? It just means rules. Rules and regulations, boxes. And if you belong, you're in by doing these certain things. But if you act in a certain way or think in a certain way or speak in a certain way or have a certain color of skin, you name it, then you're out because you don't belong in our box. The easiest and the least offensive way to talk about this has to do with sports. I mean, all of us understand that there are those who like Michigan there are those who like Michigan State and those who love Jesus and like Ohio State <laughs> that's funny right everyone's like ah that's ridiculous what a ridiculous thing to say except we do it all the time we just give different rules to it don't we yeah yeah well well those are those are Catholics so they don't love Jesus you know what I mean I, you're laughing about it, right? But I, we do this. We, we, we think it's funny because it's ridiculous with sports, but don't we do this in every area? You're not as good a Christian as me. You're not as good at this or that or you're a Republican and you're a Democrat or anything like that and all of a sudden you're saying, like, it sounds ridiculous when you talk about sports, but this is how we live our lives. Except for Jesus. So it's not about this bounded set. It's about where you fix your eyes and where you're journeying towards. See, the centered set is centered on something. So the idea that you belong to other people who are on a journey towards something, meaning know how far away from the expected behaviors you're supposed to be. If you're journeying towards something, you belong to me, even if it feels like I'm closer to that place, which is all kind of relative anyways. But what's the center? The centered set. Ephesians 4, 3 says... Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. See, it's it's Jesus. The centered set is centered on the cross of Jesus Christ. It's never about arriving in a box, it's about the journey. See, the bounded set focuses on outward, external actions of defining belonging. The centered set is focused on this internal transformation as you become like Jesus on this journey, and there are external changes yet, but the point is not that. The point is to follow and to know Jesus Christ. So the vision is a, is a common shared purpose, and it, it, neuters, it neuters consumerism, and it stifles individualism, and it's, it's not tribalism, it's actually all about Jesus. The vision has to be simple and clear as well. The vision is simple and clear language. Now, we've been building on simple and clear language for years, and uh, I loved how this came out last week. um, We had an annual celebration. If you were here in the room, you you got a cookie, which were delicious, and I had had like 12 of them, and then behind that was this scratch-off card, right? And, and the scratch-up card you could scratch, and underneath everyone was one of our six codes. I was really cool. Like, I was thinking, oh, this should be fun. But then I watched people, and they got really excited. They scratched it off, and they pulled it up like, ah, oh, I got You Belong. And I'm like, well, I got Multiply, and all of a sudden it became a competition. But it was this, like, beautiful <laughs> thing. Like, why? Because you guys, if I asked you, and you've been here for any length of time, you could tell me. And in fact, let's do it right now. I want you to shout out your favorite code on the count of three because you know it. Ready? One, two, three. Nine, <laughs> Some of them are longer than others. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I didn't do that at first. That was really funny. Um, what I mean, you already have a story attached to it, and that's what this vision is going to be, something you attach to something that you understand that helps us speak the same language. I'm going to run through them extremely quickly. Like You Belong, Uh, I love that one. And I love what the partners do to to build it up. All of our partnership commitments are about the code. And our, our partners say, I'm going to join or lead a life group to create belonging for other people. Encounter Jesus. It's about knowing him, not just in worship, but our partners say, I will pray, study the Bible, submit control of my life to Jesus, be transformed to grow in my faith. Relentless pursuit of one more. It's this idea that we'll never stop going after people for Jesus, that we will cross over storms and through terrible things for one person so that they would know the love of Jesus Christ. And our, our partners say, I'll serve at least once a month at Life Church, and I'm going to serve beyond that and grow to reach more for Jesus. Whatever it takes, wherever it takes us, the long one. <laughs> it's, it takes a lot. It's this idea that we will not. Give up. That one fits our common purpose, what I just talked about. That we're going to push everything else away to lay down our old flames and pick up this new fire to go after what God wants for us. And so those who are partners, they give 10% to Life Church and they grow in generosity and give beyond. Multiply. Oh, this one, this one has my heart. It has to do with the idea of discipling. And partners say, I'm going to influence one other person for their spiritual growth, discipling them, giving to them so that they can grow in their faith. Finally, which we've already talked about, driven by new life. This is the number one. This is what drives us. And our partners say, I'm going to prioritize and be here every single week. Why? To glorify God, to get here together and worship and learn new kinds of worship styles and and do all kinds of things. Why? Because God deserves my glory. We've not only created clear language with that that we can associate with, but we've also had to create clear language in a world where there's confusion. This is an excerpt. You can find this on our website. We have a position paper on politics because it was crazy and still is crazy. Listen, this is just an excerpt from it. We are commanded to participate in a way that is also shalom, peace, devoid of pride and anger. In all of our interaction, even in regards to politics, we should do so in a way that is loving and promotes peace. As Christians, our role in a political system is to promote peace, justice, and joy by standing for kingdom values as citizens of our country, but subjects of the kingdom of God. Some terminology that's coming out soon has to do with racial justice. And then diversity, equity, inclusion. You've heard that. Everyone has a statement. We wanted to make sure that we wrote one that made sense to our vision and to our code and who we are. It says basically something like this. Diversity in our church exists, and we want to include every voice at the table. And inclusion in the church will expose when there is injustice and inequality. Unity, we just read about, in Christ demands an equitable correction. And when we do this, it'll transform us, but this unity in the church will overflow into the world, creating biblical justice. Finally, racial justice position paper. Pastor Daniel is here. We wrote this together, and I just love this statement says, therefore, our responsibility is to recognize how we have been complicit with racial injustice, repent of it, and then seek to restore the righteousness that reflects God's original design. And you'll hear that more when that racial justice position paper comes out in a couple weeks. But all of these things, everything that we've done, the code, partnership, these papers, everything, it's simple language as much as we can make it clear language, moving forward to a 10-year vision so we're going to share that today. And what I'm going to share with you today is a simple statement that we will be able to say from the host place every single week, from our sermons, it'll be on our wall, and it is for you, even if you've been here the whole entire time since the backyard, or this is your first week. This is what we would want for you. And what we call this is simply the way. This is the way. Mandalorian fans are excited. Anyways, this is the way. Well, I didn't pick it for the Mandalorian, okay? Like, this is... This, it's not why I picked it, okay? The reason why I picked it is before Christians were known as Christians, which means little Christ, which was a derogatory slang term used against them that they appropriated for themselves, and that's how we get Christian. Maybe you didn't know that. They used to call them something else. They, they used to say, those who follow the way, the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. And I love it because we're on a journey. We're on the centered step. We're going after Christ. This is The way. The vision, it will help us reclaim what Christianity means, reclaim what the enemy has stolen, reclaim the goodness of God in creation, redeemed through Jesus Christ's mission in the world that he then gave to his church, us, as a ministry, and then empowers us as individuals to go forth and change things, to shine a light, the way forward. The way has just two simple steps. first is this. Reclaim, reclaim your identity in Jesus. You know, your identity has been lost. Our goal for you, the first half, is to reclaim your identity in Jesus. In fact, we're going to see thousands of people reclaim the identity that had been stolen by the enemy, by circumstances, by sin and brokenness. Ephesians 2.10 One of the first verses that became kind of a life verse for me for a very long time said this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in it beforehand so that we would walk in them. He prepared in advance for us to do. What do I mean? You are a masterpiece made in the beauty and image of God. And the world we live in has stolen that from you, has taken it from you, has broken you down, has worn you out. And since you can't have a relationship with God without some kind of intervention, you have never known truly who you are until Jesus. And when you meet Jesus, this is the beautiful thing. I wish I could explain how amazing it is. We so focus on the fact that someday we'll go to heaven, that if we know Jesus, we won't go to hell. But hell is separation from God. And what we're actually getting, first and foremost, is a relationship with God again where we can walk with Him and know Him. We were not made to be an individual apart from our relationship with God. So when we are reconnected to Him through Jesus, we can know who we are for the very first time. That is what I mean by reclaiming it, by taking it back, by knowing it for the first time. Get excited about it because the enemy has so long told us what a a big piece of crap we are. God doesn't make junk. He's going to redeem you as you reclaim what is yours in Jesus. That is a good vision. That is what I want for every person who walks through these doors or comes online, is they know we want you to reclaim something, and that you're precious in God. You're going to see how these immediately associate with you belong and encounter Jesus. You you know this because reclaim your identity in Jesus. You got to know Him. You got to encounter Him. You got to be with Him. That's why we do what we do is to spend time with Jesus to learn and to say Who am I? (laughs) Who am I? And He tells you, but you're never going to do that unless you belong. You're never going to walk in here with all the brokenness that you have and feel like I can lay down all my walls, all my barriers, and maybe not listen to the lies I've been told by my father my entire life, or my mother, or my circumstances. Like, I got to feel like I belong to be able just to let those down for a second. But when you do, and we create places of safety for individuals, they are transformed. The way the first half is to reclaim your identity in Jesus. And the life journey is the way that we do this. The life journey is about growing you and reminding you and telling you and helping you discover who you are. It is a beautiful thing and it's difficult, but it's so much fun. See, the life journey helps you live into these six commitments that uphold our code. It helps you grow into them. But all of those things, all the, do you know that, like why we have partnership? Not so we have to vote on things once a year. That's not why we have partnership. We have partnership because it is the way that we help people live into the commitments that position them in a certain position, one position, the only one that matters, at the feet of Jesus. And in that positioning where you sit at the feet of Jesus, you are transformed and you can reclaim who you are. That is why partnership exists. You know that Jesus longs to delight in you? It's like a father who has a child who he's never hugged. He's just waiting with his arms open. I'm here, I'm I'm ready. And we think we gotta get everything right. Jesus just wants to know us. And he's longing for us to delight in him. So as we do that, over and reclaim our identity bit by bit, as you reclaim your identity in Jesus you mature, you grow, you're on that journey and things change. And maturity is so necessary for what is next. You might know that you're reclaiming your identity in Jesus when your worth isn't in your work anymore, but that your name is written in the book of life. When your political tribe is challenged in the world or denigrated, you won't take it as a personal attack on you and your rights. When you have an ordered life, so that you are a steward of God's finances and find joy and generosity no longer controlled by the rat race of keeping up and having more. You'll know when your time with God in prayer becomes more precious to you than Netflix or sports or even your family because it is life. And when you mature to the place where you know your role is to pour yourself out, just like Jesus, into someone else in discipleship. Ephesians 4, 14. If we do this, if we reclaim our identity in Jesus, we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. This vision, this vision allows us to reclaim discipleship, multiplication as the distinction of an authentic body of Jesus Christ, and it's powerful, and you should recognize that we talk about this a lot. This is the first half. You belong to encounter Jesus so that you can multiply. That is what this side represents. Our vision is to reclaim our identity in Jesus, which will result and a growth of partners at Life Canton can't help it. And partnership will serve as a foundation that will bear the weight of what God wants to do next, the second half, the piece that's gonna be really difficult and hard, and it's gonna be lots of fun and really exciting, but maybe something you're not used to. Partnership, what I mean is reclaiming your identity. This will set the stage and bear the weight of what's next. And as we and you reclaim our and your identity in Christ, we will see His light move forward. The partnership will help you bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. I want you to reclaim and I want you to bear. I want you to hold. I want you to move it forward, much like the Olympic like, torch, running, taking it forward into the darkness. That's what I want for every single one of you to bear this torch of Christ, justice, and love. And as that's sinking in, I want to focus on the love part for just a second. John three sixteen through seventeen. One, you've you've heard. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We must take this light into the world. That's where relentless pursuit of one more comes from. That we will bear this light into the darkness. That we will take this hope to people. That is who we are. This is what we need to be. The world needs love needs the truth and hope that comes with it. Everyone needs to know that the greatest symbol of love in all of history is a torture device, that the cross equals love, because the cross represents the sacrifice of of Jesus to pay for our debt and sin and brokenness and to bring us into relationship with God again because Jesus' sacrifice allows us to experience and dwell and live and breathe and delight in the love of the Father. We must bring this into our families, into our communities and schools. Think of the people who do not know the love of Jesus. But it's justice and love. Micah 6.8 a corrective scripture. It says this, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? (laughs) To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. We've preached on this. This is what God has called us to be and to do, is to move with justice. In fact, Jesus is committed to it more than you could possibly know. Matthew 12, 20. He's talking about Jesus, but it's also a prophecy being retold of old. A bruised reed he will not break, and the smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Listen, till he has brought justice through to victory. Jesus will not stop until he has brought justice and love through to victory. This is what I love about whatever it takes, wherever it takes us. Justice is going to take us some places. You know, is justice, even justice, If it doesn't cost us, I don't think so. I think justice is going to cost us. And that bearing that light of justice into our community is going to cost us. And it's going to make us uncomfortable. And it's going to be difficult. And some of us, we're going to have to hope that justice can come because we haven't seen it in our lifetime. It's going to cost us. But he's not going to stop until it's done. And so we won't either. We won't stop. We'll be about Christ's justice, about making things right. About standing in the fire with those suffering and elevating those who've been pushed and pressed down. We have a diverse church. So amazing. I love it. I love looking out and seeing your faces. I love looking out and seeing the differences among us. Differences are not a problem to be solved, but a beauty to behold. And I love looking at you guys. And that sounds weird, but I do. Why? Why, well, because something, something beautiful is coming. I love watching worship with people who look different, and as we're, we're stepping into some new things, I love looking at our leadership team. I love looking at our staff. I love looking at places and seeing it grow. Why? Because it's like a tailgate to the big event. It's like the pregame before the big show. It's like, it's like the, 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 the pre-party before the real party what am I talking about? Someday every tongue, every tribe, every nation will worship God and their cultures and their language. And it'll be this party that just we just are overwhelmed with in the glory of God. And we are starting to experience it here. So why wouldn't I be excited? Life Canton will promote this, we'll grow in this, and we'll be willing to be challenged in this. And we value the inclusion of all of the diversity of our people in our community by allowing them to have voice, allowing them, inviting them, begging them to have voice in this church, in its leadership, and at every single level. And when we do, I'm going to let you know what happens. What happens when you include voices of people who are diverse, and especially those who are not the dominant group? Injustice, in inequity, in inequality, in, in those voices will speak of them, will bring light to them, will show them for what they are. And it is our duty to preserve the unity of the Spirit. It is our duty to promote the image of God in everyone, including those who are marginalized, and especially those who are marginalized in our society. And so Christ's justice demands correction. It's going to be messy and difficult and hard church that's equitable or has the justice and love of Christ identifies these barriers and helps to elevate people and bring correction. And I'm going to tell you right now, we have barely begun and we will not stop pursuing justice. We're just getting started. And now, as this vision goes forward and as we prove it again and again and again, and as we do it again and again and again, that light will shine into community and the people who are even more diverse than we have right now, more diversity will come and be part because this is a place where we love the future party now. And we're willing to sacrifice to see it happen now. Justice and love, I wish I could smush them together because they're one thing, they go hand in hand. But lustus or jov doesn't sound right, <laughs> especially lustus, that sounds really bad. They told me not to tell that joke, but I think it's funny. (laughs) The world we live in is defined by darkness. In our workplaces, schools, governments, and systems, darkness has resulted in injustice and hate. Darkness is always active, and darkness is always destroying. But light destroys darkness. And when we bear the torch, when we hold it, when we feel the weight of it, when we run with it into the darkness... It explodes forward into the places of pain, injustice, and the impact will be undeniable to our community. And this love and justice will shine forth through individuals, through you. Our vision of spreading Christ's love and justice will result in the increase of something we're calling torchbearers. Bear the torch, torchbearers. Those who are willing to do this and have been trained and equipped to do this and will go after it. And I'm gonna tell you about that in just a second, but first I wanna remind you that this is the way. The way is to reclaim your identity in Jesus and to know who he is and grow in it. As you mature, as you grow, as you begin to disciple, God starts to give you a part of the vision of his ministry in the church and you start to grow in it and grab it and pick it up and take this torch of light into the community and bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. That is what I want for every single one of you. A vision is a shared common purpose, and it's a simple common language, but it requires a sacrificial relationship. The vision requires sacrificial relationships. Together, we must learn to sacrifice for this. We have to learn to grow. We have to learn to sacrifice our time, our talent, our treasure. We have to learn how to get vulnerable. See, walking in here, I know it's hard and there's brokenness in your life and that has held you down and you have not let anybody in or you don't let barely anybody in because you don't want to be hurt more because you don't want people telling you or or reinforcing lies that you believe for so long. And at some point, you're going to have to take those things down and let community Love you so you can reclaim who you are. But there's no vision without sacrifice. This is just pretty paper. If we don't do something about it, our church members will go out in the community, they'll become aware of the darkness in the home, and they will bring light. So we have to go after this. You have to be willing to sacrifice because on the other side of it is God's glory. And you might be asking, Give me some handles. This is a 10 year vision. Tell me what's going to happen in 10 years. Tell me the numbers. Tell me the goals. I get it. That could be so helpful. It really could. It could be helpful to say, here's our goal. We want X amount of this and X amount of that. And we've talked about all those things. And we may even have some ideas about what we want to see. But I I don't want it to be distracted because too often we start thinking about what the organization is going to do. When I've only got one number in mind, I got one number for all of this. One number. And the number is one because I'm thinking about you. I want you to bring the vision. I want you to be the torchbearer. I want you to reclaim your identity in Jesus because as you do it together with us, we'll be unstoppable. Too often, we want to see the end before we sacrifice. God has called us to sacrifice now. And I believe it. You will reclaim the work of Christ's ministry. It's not the staff. We'll be equipping you to go out. And it might look like something like this. You will improve the lives of foster kids by creating resources or fostering yourself. You will bring hope to the homeless, to the drug addict, and the shopaholic, and to the student who's hurt and hurting themselves and feels alone. You will fight for justice, for women in leadership, for single parents, for all people of color, for, for the immigrant, for the unborn. You will create a kinder and more loving work environment where greed dies in the environment of community and care, where hope is shared in a school board meeting instead of despair, where businesses produce the greatest good and not the greatest profit. You see, this is limitless. If I put numbers on it or certain areas, I'm going to limit what God is going to do through you. You will shine so bright that the world will know the name of Jesus Christ and the world is ready for harvest. I'm going to go quickly here. but Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. This is what we will do together. The life journey has continued, and we have just finished the first round of a new uh, part of the course called Equip. It comes from this to equip people for works of service, to equip people to be torchbearers. That's our job. Our job is to unleash this inside of them and empower them to do it. And I want you to hear the heart of the people who have just finished this course six days ago. And they're gonna be doing some things. They're gonna be bringing light into the community in the next couple weeks. And this will be ongoing. But listen to what they say. Now, here's the crazy part. Most of these people are not full-time pastors. They're you. They're you, and they went on this journey of reclaiming their identity, and they're not done yet. Believe me, some of them are not done yet. Most of them, I'm not done yet. We're a mess, but we've gotten to this place where we understand that this is who we should be and can be and are, those who bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. Listen to what they say. Julie, you heard from a little bit earlier, says this, when we encounter Jesus, we have been given the greatest insight, and to an all-encompassing, unconditional, everlasting, incomprehensible love. But we won't understand His Word without this encounter. And we won't understand our connection with the Holy Spirit who guides us into a life of obedience. Without a personal encounter with Jesus, there is not a motivation of love to be obedient. Reclaim your identity in Christ. Lisa, listen to this. Some people... Are emotionally unaware of what's going on inside of themselves. All they know is that they are stuck and are not having a closer relationship to God. They may be afraid to ask why and take the time to find out. There are also uh, other factors that come into play. Past circumstances, traumas can affect our spiritual growth as well. So some wait to feel better to engage and don't realize that there is work in the waiting to be done. Which makes me think, are we waiting on God or is he waiting on us? Nicole, the church has invested, grown, and discipled the married congregation while unintentionally ignoring and underutilizing a growing singles population. This imbalance has created a lack of diversity and, in some sense, disunity. And so our responses and reactions to society, a pandemic, and the escalating division has been stifled due to this disunity by multiplication of single leaders we can expand our influence on the surrounding culture and communities. We belong by providing value to each voice. And by multiplication, we can demonstrate God's love through authentic community. Bear the torch of Christ's justice. And love. Let's talk about justice. Bridget Reynolds, our own, says, "And listen, this is this is good. In order to create a justice ethos, a way of thinking and doing and living in our community, then these attributes—communal conversations and communal prayer and growth on justice and reconciliation—must be intentionally cultivated and treated. Listen, and framed as spiritual disciplines to be formed, versus things and activities to be accomplished." Don. And I added these little we will statements because this is what she means and I think it's really good. Listen, we will empower women to understand that they have the freedom to follow God's leading and trust his plan for our lives. We will give a voice to these women who have clearly been called by God into the ministry. We will accept women in leadership roles where they preach and teach to men and women. Some will be called to full-time paid ministry as pastors, some to full-time and part-time ministries, some to volunteer ministries within the church, and some to ministry in their neighborhoods, schools, and workplaces. All of these areas are essential to the community of believers that are part of the church. it's good. Love, love, Michael. The problem I have identified is people's failure to understand and bear allegiance to the essential gospel and the church's failure to communicate the gospel to those whom Jesus misses most. My goal is to bridge the gap between people's misunderstanding of the essential gospel and to recognize and own Jesus' universal command for his followers to share God's good news with others so that they might experience salvation through Christ, resulting in God's people being obedient to Jesus' mandate to make disciples of all people everywhere. Liz, listen to this. This is good. There has been a prevalence of believers with an insecure insecure relationship to the Trinity, evidenced by a deficiency of understanding of the Word of God, a misrepresentation, misrepresentation of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, and a marginal production of the fruit of the Spirit. The solution to this problem in the church today is our code statement, encounter Jesus, and therefore, the Trinity, as Jesus embodies the Trinity. These are the first fruits. These are the beginning. I mean, these are amazing. And and not one of these pastors wrote those. They wrote those because they have internalized and understood it. They are partners. We've taken the entirety of the life journey. They've been positioned by the code, to experience the presence of Jesus Christ through the six commitments so that they can reclaim their identity in Jesus and begin to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love to bring light into the community and they will bring this justice and love forward. But it's not just for them. Laura, last one, you belong. Everyone who attends Life Canton, no matter their status as a partner or as a Life Journey graduate, Belongs and is included in the work of the torchbearers to fulfill the mission and the ministry of the church. Together, we will learn from the actions of those early torchbearers and the work they continue to undertake, to undertake. Together, we will move out into the community with our work to address injustice and support of the vulnerable. Together, we will achieve the vision through the actions of our people and their support of the work that the torchbearers are doing. This is the beginning. And I want you to be part of writing that vision, part of what God will do. This is what I want for every single one of you, to reclaim your identity in Jesus and to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. But it's not just me. It's all the elected leaders, all the staff, all the people, all the partners. This is what we want, and this is what God has laid on us. Thank you for your patience and your time in this. I want to end by commissioning all of us into this. So will you stand with me and prepare for God to lay on your heart what he has for you next? I'm gonna pray a prayer, and so I want you to open your hands. And this is for everyone. This is for everyone, even if you're first person here, but I'm gonna let you know right now, I'm gonna pray a bold prayer over you. I'm gonna pray a dangerous prayer over you. I'm letting you know that right away because I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is what God wants to do in our community. So Close your eyes. Place yourself in a place where you're listening to what God has, and maybe just let down the walls of your heart for a moment. God, I pray over this, that every single person who hears my voice, that they will begin the path, or continue the path, of reclaiming their identity in Jesus. I pray in the strong name of Jesus Christ that you would remove anything in their life that is getting in the way. And God, as together we mature and grow, I pray that every person here would pick up the torch of Christ's justice and love and that you would remove everything in the way of that being true. God, I pray that you would awaken inside of us a vision of your kingdom, of your people going into the world. All to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and bringing this world in line
0: with your justice. Welcome back. I know that you heard the excitement, the joy, the, the anticipation in Pastor Nathan's voice as he unveiled this vision. Our vision for the next ten years is to reclaim our identity in Jesus and to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love, just like Pastor Nathan shared. And these two things are are going to be amazing to watch, to see the ways God works to heal the broken and and to draw us close to him as we reclaim our identity in him and the way that he moves and shakes and heals the community as as we learn to bear the torch of Christ Jesus and love into the places around us. I I can't wait. Uh, as someone who oversees the young people I can tell you that they're, they're already beginning this work and, and they're up to a lot uh, to to lead the charge on this and, and I'm just getting excited for the ways that the whole church is going to uh, I'm sure rally behind this and be used by God to do some, some amazing things so uh, cannot wait cannot wait to hear what y'all think about this and where God is taking us but If you are someone today who's going through anything, uh, anything at all, uh, whether it's thoughts or responses you have to this message, or just things you have going on in your day-to-day life, uh, we always are here to a pray for you. So be sure to let us know if you have any prayer requests. But also, there are groups of people in this community to love you and to build a relationship with you and to walk with you through what you're going. So we believe that you belong and that you should be connected to a life group. So ask us about life groups so we can get you connected to one, to a community of people who can walk with you, not just through the thing you're going through right now, but as you go through life in general, our, our semester life groups are a great place to do that. So, so let us know so we can help you get connected to one. But this week... I hope you sit with this vision and you start to dream and pray through what God could do with this vision that ha- that has come from him. So as you sit and pray with that, um, I can't wait to uh, hear what God reveals to you because we're in this together. And we all belong. And this is, this is a great vision that we're super excited about. So, uh, enjoy and we will see you next week. Have a blessed week.